Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. We are talking about Adelaide today, everyone. We are recording our team-by-team analysis that we usually do, trying to keep it nice and short and sharp. But before we go, this is a preseason for everyone. I need to do the socials. SC Insider 100 on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Also, you can search for a Supercoach Insider on YouTube. Thank you as well to the comments on YouTube, trying to get us to the 1,000 subscriptions, uh, whoever that lovely person was. And as always, we always appreciate the community through Twitter and everywhere else as well. Swizz, how are you faring? Yeah, good. Yeah, you're right. Thank you to all the people who shouted out. Uh, some have found me on, on Twitter, Swizz26, and you know, asked me to add them to different forums and stuff. So now we, we appreciate the questions. And if you can't find me, find Chris or Ben on our personal pages. But yeah, definitely at the Supercoach Insider YouTube or, or Twitter. And we're happy to um, have a conversation about footy. Um, but yeah, yeah you know, I actually but, had a, someone hit me on Twitter as well saying that you were mentioning about a really good group or something or rather on, was that the Richmond forum or what was yeah, it? Yeah, the, so the, the Richmond Tigers Supercoach forum. Um, which we have on Facebook, so run by Abdul, does a great job of that. So I think we've got around 200 people on that at the moment. So, you know, pref- preferably Richmond supporters on that one, but each club should have their own or there'll be some supporters out there if you're, you know, keen super coaches. So, yeah, definitely get involved. But no, no, no I'm going well, Benny. You know, unfortunately, cricket was called off today. So I sat there and watched the rumble and, and unfortunately that was pretty shit and that. I'm wearing my uh, wrestling top, uh, the What's Wrong with Wrestling Boys Don't Plug Other Podcasts. Um, shirt, which is very relevant because we're on a different podcast than that, so I'll let them know that I was wearing their shirt for this, but, you know, it's good to be back talking about these quick-fired pods and starting off with the Crows, probably not the yes. best team to start off with, but, you know, no. got to work through all 18 of them. It's, it's like, think back to previous years, it's kind of like we started off with, hey, everyone, North Melbourne, and uh, that's it. So it's, it is interesting. Um, Dom Dunn as well, there's that question answered for you, so... Um, okay, so let's talk about format. So we're looking at top 10 potential on the rise, so either on the rise in money or on the rise in average uh, for both format purposes. Draft sleepers, the burn man, and rookies as well. So the idea is that we kind of give you um, some standards, some draft perspectives, and our thoughts on different people and where they might be coming up and down, and also those that we keep an eye on as well. Um, Swizz, so Adelaide, let's have a look at their starting fixtures briefly. Um, they have a couple of fairly good fantasy games for the first couple of rounds, but then they have a more difficult sort of run of five. Um, and even then, they don't really play Gold Coast or North until around that sort of buy round period anyway. So what are you thinking with the uh, the fixtures? I think Adelaide could be the big, biggest trap for mid-prices this year. Um, Fremantle and then the Pies in round two. Um, even though Collingwood could beat them, you know they could score some good points in that game. And then they run into the the showdown, the bombers away, the tigers and the doggies at Mars. So, um, yeah, I think a few people might get a bit caught if, like last year, where ticks went bang bang. There could be a situation where maybe a couple of their forwards get going early. Um, and yeah, I can see people running to a trap. Rookies are rookies, but yeah, you could might might see a potential, you know, a couple of spikes, and then they could be finding themselves out of the team the next couple of weeks. Uh, the only good thing is for their limited pre- primos. 
that you know they do play Collingwood twice. They've got the Eagles, North Melbourne, and Carlton. So more, I think, on the run home. Um, if some people pick up dual position or get a um, you know drop down in price, uh, could be a potential uh, you know some good good value there. And we always like value, Benny. So yeah, there, there could be a watch throughout the season. But as a starting, yeah, we'll we'll wait and so see. So you're calling it the Texan trap, is basically what you're the, calling it. Definitely the Texan oh, trap. Oh, geez, yes. But uh, you are right, and those first couple of games could be definitely appealing. Uh, my, I also believe Adelaide don't really get much of the pie anyway. Um, so apart from a couple of those at North Melbourne or Gold Coast, they played, they got a bit of the pie. Um, yeah, exactly. For those who don't know or new to Supercoach, uh, Supercoach gives out 3,300 points per game. Uh, so you had Adelaide obviously only won seven games last year, which included beating Melbourne and Geelong, which I don't think they'll do this year. But overall, they only took out 47% of the pie in those games. But in losses, they were down to a 45%. So that equates to around the, if you if you think you're dividing it in half, six, uh, 1650, they're under 1500 per game. So, you know, that average per player is around that sort of 68, 69 points mark, um, where Adelaide are probably very appealing, especially when they're playing away uh, as for the opposition. So one definitely to look at if they're in a, if the, you've got a captain option or a couple of captain options and you're dividing, you know, debating between two players. If they're playing the Crows and that game's at um, your uh, your player's home, yeah, jump on board them because, yeah, the Crows like to link, link points. Yeah, no, sounds like really good um, advice there. All right, so let's get into the top 10 potential. We can't go much further than Rory Laird, 632k midfielder only this year. Uh, pretty much one of the only real saving lights for a lot of people last year from Adelaide. Um, absolutely killed it. I mean, he averaged 120 after round five, so over that 17-round period. Also averaged 124 after the buys, and he was absolutely killing it. So we know Matt Crouch wasn't there, um, which could impact Laird, could impact probably more, my opinion, would impact Keyes. I think Keyes has been very good in that aspect, and we'll get on to him. But um, Laird, he'll be low-owned. Uh, I can't see many people jumping on him. Can he back it up as well? I know Chris was very big on him, and he killed it, played exceptionally well, and he could still play exceptionally well. But for standard, I think there's better value out elsewhere, more consistent. For draft even, I don't even know if I want to pick him up in that first sort of you – know, in draft, that, that first sort of 10. And Surely I think Laird would slide to a, a late second or an early third even, possibly. Yeah, for sure. Maybe um, second round pick, hopefully. you'd VC, yeah. yeah. The the only saving light for I can see for Laird if with Crouch coming back, uh, if Sloan's you know plays a full season, or if they start rotating some of those kids through there, they could drop Laird back at half back. Which if you picked him up later on, or if you got him at value in a draft, he might pick up dual position, um, you know, hopefully early or at least at round twelve, which could make him a very appealing defender on the run home. But as a starting point up, uh, you look at Laird's price, he's dearer than Merritt, Parrish, Ollie Wines, Petrarca, in drafts or in standard, you're taking these players before Laird. It's, yeah, it's, it's just brutal. that simple. And, and that's, that's nothing against Laird. I mean, end of, I guess, second round, third round's brutal. Um, I mean, the guy did average 120 for a lot of the season, and he is a very good player, but I wouldn't want him first round. I wouldn't want to be relying on him as a captain. And you're right, there's definitely value else elsewhere with probably a little bit more potential. Um, 
I do like him though. It's one of those funny things where you wouldn't mind him as your VC option. I think he went 10 times over 120 plus, which is probably a big indicator that we look for in, um, you know, for draft leagues is particularly VC options. And you 120 plus, you're looking at a VC. And the more players in draft you have that can go 120 plus, the better your VC potential throughout the season. But yeah, for me, I think it's he did really well, but I don't know if he could back it up based on, yeah, Matt Crouch coming in, et cetera, as well. Exactly, and, and he's one of those players that, especially if the Crows aren't going to be in the game um, from a, you know, <laughs> love the little sponsor there of Solo, mate. Um, if, but if they're going to not be on the game on a scoreboard point of view, he could just run around, pick up possessions. No one's going to tag him, no problems, and he's going to score well. But as we said, you know, Adelaide, I, I actually think, you know, well, they win seven last year. Some of those games, I don't think they're going to be as competitive they could actually fall back and only be a four to five win team this year, which will impact. Um, he he's scoring the whole team scoring, so I think you know one twenty comes down. He could be a a one five one ten guy, which is still great, especially if he picks up defender status at some point. Um, if he was to move back there, but with, as you said, Crouch coming back in, or if they start playing Schoenberg in there more and that um, Dawson coming in will take some of those points. Yeah, I, I don't see him able to back up the season that he had, even if he still has a really good season. I just don't see him scoring those same points. Yep, it might sound harsh as far as ladder predictions and that kind of thing, but the thing with Adelaide is we really need to see strong development from at least half a dozen players, five. You need quite a big jump from quite a few people of their young talent in order for them to be super competitive, uh, you know, pushing towards the eight and actually winning more games than they're losing. So I do agree. I think they're a little bit off, and it's nothing against Adelaide. They went, you know, they ran at the tilt for quite a long time, but now we need, you know, they need these young players to jump up like a Sydney did. They came out of nowhere because everyone developed. So it's definitely in their scope, but I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, they were um, up there. Jordan. Yeah, they had their chance in that, and they blew it against the Mighty Tigers. So, <laughs> oh, you know, oh, fuck. <laughs> Can't believe I just let you plug <laughs> oh, that. Oh, you um, had to, mate. Um, but no, no, you're right. But, you know, I like what they've done with the drafting because they've actually gone out of after a lot of tools, midfielders are easier to come in and have that impact straight away. So they've been trying to develop these tools, you know, your Fisher Mackenzie's, your your Worrells, um, Ro- uh, Riley Thilthorpe that they've brought in. Um, so it's got they naturally take time. So you can, I think that you see that regression before they're gonna, you know, come back up the ladder again. But that's just that's just footy, the, the circle of life in footy. Fair enough. Jordan Dawson, five fifty k defender. Uh, 550k is probably around that mark, averaging the 100. Um, you know, he, he averaged 114 the last nine rounds, so he did go really well, including a 141 and a 158. So that's why there's a bit of hype. Um, the ceiling's definitely there. His role was there for Sydney. He had an exceptional year. Um, the thing that everyone's like, oh, it's a one-hit wonder, but the back end of 2020, we actually had a look, and he averaged 99 for the last seven rounds there as well. So realistically, now you're looking at about a 30-game sample, averaging about 100. So I think he's definitely worthwhile, but the big issue is that changing to the new club, um, yeah, the only thing that I'm sitting there thinking of could really work in his favour is he had a lot of metres gained, right, for Sydney. He was one of the highest for the metres gained. So what could happen is Matt Crouch goes sideways, like he always does, and then, you know, like, oh, give it to Dawson. He'll go forwards, and maybe he'll get a lot of metres gained and a lot of points because um, we know Matt Crouch doesn't like to go forwards with the footy at all, does he? So... It's going to be an interesting one. I can understand the hesitation. Um, would I be picking him at 100 and going 100 plus with the potential to go even further? It's possible. 
but I probably I don't like to kind of go. Oh, he's just gotten to this point and he's looking really good, but I'm not putting him in my standard team at this point in time. Um, draft yes, but I'm not jumping at him at overs at a hundred. Like, where are you thinking? If he sits there and he's around the scope around you know a hundred defender, I'd probably get him around a hundred defender. Or if I could get him just after that, if I could get him at a ninety-five to a hundred, I'd get him. And there's so many good defenders this year in standard and even in draft. You don't have to kind of pick a guy like Dawson at a hundred average. Well, that, there's that's so it. Many, like, there's so many of them. There's a lot you, of them. You got like if you're just looking at the standard, which you know obviously runs your draft a little bit as well because you're looking at those, that points in order. But are you taking Dawson before Short, Ridley, Ryan? You know, even Heppel, Sicily could go ahead of him because some people will buy into that hype um, and, and what he's done potentially before. So, yeah, you could say have a situation if Dawson starts to slide, absolutely. But at the same time, if he's there and somebody's happy to reach for him, not a problem. Happy for somebody else to take him. Uh, my my issue with Dawson this year is, first of all, I don't know what position he's going to play. Are they going to put him off his normal halfback or are they going to put him on a wing? Uh, so usually if clubs are willing to pay up and bring them in, they're looking at bringing them in as midfield time. We saw what happened with Zach Williams with that at Carlton. I'm not saying that you know that will happen to Dawson, but very hey, much... And they just brought in another midfielder for midfield time at Carlton. So. That's right. So you, you just don't know if these guys can actually translate to that, those positions and that, or do they move back to more where they're comfortable. The other thing, as you said before, it's uh, you know give the ball to Dawson. At Sydney, he was kicking the ball down to Buddy, yeah, and Buddy most of the time will take that mark and that. This time, if he is on the wing and kicking the ball into the forward line, he's kicking it to a young Phil Forth, Fogarty. Yeah, they don't have the same um, impact up the forward. The Crows do what the Swans did. So a lot of those kicks yeah. are going to get intercepted. Um, and instead of getting you know that 50-metre kick plus four inside 50, you know th- these could very easily be turnover kicks now, which um, will obviously affect his scoring. So... Yeah. I think that's an under understated fact. Um, when it goes into the forward 50 line, number one, good teams, it's either contested, so they don't get outmarked as much, so that you get points or you don't lose points because it's still a, an effective kick. Um, weaker side, sometimes you, know, you see these young players, they sort of turn around and the, and the opposition's just like, oh, that's fine, you run this way, I'm just going to stand here and mark the ball because you know, I don't know where the ball's coming in. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big one. And then you have goal assists, score assists, a whole range of things that actually goes with it. If they take the mark and actually go back and hit a kick from anywhere from in that 50 zone, a big points. And, so and I that's think why that's... we talk about the pie. Cause, and Adelaide's pie was skewed last year too because the two games against North Melbourne, I think they were about plus 900 over that. So average about plus 450 of their super coach points. So you take that out, their pie is quite low. So all of a sudden, yeah, Dawson might be racking them up, but those stats are a bit more ineffective compared to, yeah, at, at the Swans. And at the Swans, he's protected as well because, you know, Lloyd and Mills, Kennedy, Parker, those sort of good guys running around where you can get effective stats. Um, if it's just, especially Crouch, whose body's a bit unreliable, if it's just Dawson and Laird there with a lot of kids around, yeah, he handballs it to another kid or or a kid handballs to him. Now he's under more pressure than what he was at Sydney um, where those Swans would have protected and given you a lot more time and space to move the ball. So, yeah, I think there's too many question marks for me to want to even touch him in standard or draft. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a wait and see, and I do wish him well. He's a player that I do like to watch, but, um, yeah, it's, can't always get what you like. Um, Aaron Hall being the big case. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll see him named at various times. 
All right, let's move on. Um, Riley O'Brien, Mr. Rob of the Ruck, 520K. Uh, very appealing because of, A, number one is price point. People, are, uh, they want a cheapie. They want someone who could be you know, the top two or top three rucks. Um, and the reason that people do get excited is because he, he, he did have 900s in 2021, but it's the ceiling. It's his potential, that everyone looks at the potential and what he can do. He scored a 133, a 135, a 137, and a 147. And then we know in 2020, he absolutely went ham for about a good sort of, what, five or six game period where everyone's like, oh, why do I even have Riley O'Brien on the bench? He's just absolutely killing it. Um, Swizz, what do you think? Is it worth, when you look at the ruck structure, is there room for someone like Riley O'Brien? Or is it, if you're only extremely sentimental, should you consider it? I, I personally don't mind it. Like, people were, were going to were burnt by him last year and, and disappointed. So quite a few will jump, jump off. But you had to remember that was really only his second season of footy. Um, he plays sole ruck at Adelaide. And a lot of clubs are now doing that, uh, playing either two rucks or they're flip-flopping their rucks. Uh, you look at Richmond with Nank and Soldo. Uh, GWS, you don't kind of know what they're doing each week. Melbourne now play Gorn Jackson. So there's a lot of you know teams either playing a two ruck system or they kind of alternate their rucks. Geelong's another um, example of that. Adelaide, you know it's Riley O'Brien playing Ruck and he gets a bit of a chop out. So there's that potential that most Rucks, when they walk out in the field there and they're playing sole Ruck, they're scoring 80 points. Riley O that we've seen has already shown that he's got the biggest tick in Supercoach. He can go big, as you've pointed out, Benny. So that's what I like to see in my, if I'm taking a risk on someone or looking at one of those you know, pods, I want to know that they've got the potential to go big on every, any given week. And, and that also brings in as a vice-captain op- um, option on those weeks too, especially in draft, which is fantastic. And I think in draft in particular, many people are going to pass on him, look at the other top rucks, and then just wait and stream, depending on especially on what sort of league you're in. If you're in a 10-team league, you go, okay, I can wait for rucks, no problems. And Riley O'Brien could be still sitting there in the 14th round, 15th round, and you go, absolutely, I'm happy to take even him in the 10th or 12th because you know what he can do. Uh, so there's no there's no one coming in to push that spot. Riley Thilthorpe, yeah, he's going to play forward, pinch hit, but he's still, you know, what's he in his second season? So, yeah, I, I don't mind the Riley O'Brien pick. Um, and you, I'm I'm big on him in draft. I think um, again, same reason why people will probably jump extremely early on forwards and rucks because there's no forward stock. When you look at how deep the defending line is, the top twenty defenders are scoring crazy well. Forwards it drops off super quick. So I think forwards will be jumping early. Uh, another strategy is you can even say, like, Timmy English, jump on him maybe slightly early, but throw him in your ruck line so everyone goes, hey, I'm not desperate for a ruck. I don't have to pick a ruck. And then if there's value that presents further down the line, um, the only thing I actually get upset with is I actually had Sean Darcy in my a couple of my leagues last year and dumped him after a couple of rounds. You know, the speculatives trying to get some extra potential, and uh, when he went big, I obviously missed out. So um, I do like Riley O'Brien, particularly for draft leagues, for standard. For me, I think I'll pass... Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think I've just got my mind set. And when your mind is set on, on who you want in your team, I think it's very hard to change your mind sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing is more for draft. Riley O'Brien starts with Darcy and Grundy. Uh, so, and then even life searching round three. So he might have put in a couple of poor scores to start the season and somebody might be actually looking to offload him because um, they go, oh, friggin' here, hell, here we go again. Um, but then, you know, afterwards, you know, Draper, Richmond Rucks, English, Pruce, um, Pittenet, 
you know, from round sort of four onwards, he could have a really good big run there. And you can see he's going to, um, on his past history, he's going to have some games where he's going to go 140, 150. So definitely as a draft person, um, watch out because there could be a couple itchy fingers, people wanting to trade off, and uh, definitely could be a good time to jump on. That's what I love you, Swiss. Who needs Chris with insight like that? Actually but, looking yeah, at Ruck Chris, opponents. Yeah. Definitely rusty. Uh, very, very valid. Um, even more reason not to start him in standard with the, the couple of tough opponents early on because you know if he shits the bed for the first, sorry, pardon the pun, the first two rounds, you're going to probably want to look to trade him to that ruck that's dominating anyway while you can, while it's not going to cost you. Um, so I think that's definitely a valid consideration. Uh, let's move on. Let's go on the rise. So we're looking at on the rise for dollars or on the rise in their average um, they don't have many, but let's start with um, Millera. So Wayne Millera, number one, defender, 271,000. Only played two games in the last two seasons. Never played more than 19 rounds, but still, I rated him last year before he got injured. I was tempted, and I still think he is a good enough player if he gets a good enough gig and a good enough go. Swiss. Yeah, all you need is Millera to play per, perfectly up to the buys but sort of seven, eight weeks. My problem is I don't think he can do that because it's shown over his career that, you know, he really struggles to string games together. But, yeah, if he has that halfback role and they move Daw have Dawson on the wing and Laird in the centre, he definitely can score points. Yeah, that is definitely not his problem. And, you know, and if he can average sort of 70, 80, we know he's going to go up the value. Very, very good sort of that D4, D5 position um, in there in that price. But... Yeah, the the issue is his body, and you, with the extra trade, some people will be going, "Yep, happy to take the risk." Personally, I think he's uh, the burn, one of the burn men this year. Ooh, okay, maybe I had him in the wrong category. Um, for me, it's very interesting because I think there's enough cheap options on a lot of the different lines this year that you don't really need to be going a mid-price defender. You look at you know the forward line, you have Canelio, and you have a few others. Um, you know, Rayner. Um, midfield, you got berries and you know your Hannibrys, <laughs> but uh, oh, no. Yeah. oh no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. no, just in general that price point. There's quite a few midfielders as well. Ruck, you have Bruce, you have um, Lynch. Yeah, the, there's a lot of other cheap options this year, so you don't really need to go and actually get a cheaper defender, a D4 or D5 this year. And I think realistically, the only way I would actually start to look and consider that is if the rookies were extremely bad, which it doesn't look like they will be this year for defence, that would be the only way they would actually go, oh, geez, do I need someone like him at a D5 because the rookies are so bad for on-field purposes. But that's it. That's pretty much it. So we'll, we'll see how he goes. Apparently he's uh, looking fairly fit, but they always say, oh, they're fit. It's like, oh, they're not match simulation, but they're fit. It's like, well, how fit are they then if they're not actually playing any match sim, mate? So... Um, We'll leave that one there. Next one for me is um, probably that's I think most of the standard relevance for on the up and well, comers. Yeah, they're um, definitely standard, and that there's I guess this comes into a bit of a mix of a draft sleeper verse uh, on the rise, um, and I don't mind Sh uh, Schoenberg in there. I think as long as he starts getting the role, they've I think Adelaide are committed to playing these kids, uh, so he started to play in there last year. You know, it looks good, good size about him, but. As in a standard option at the moment, not, but it's one of those guys you just kind of track because, as we said, the second half of the year, they do have some friendly games. And, you know, starting at 390, no thanks. But if you say, let's say, 
first three or four games they didn't have him in the midfield, dropped down to that sort of 320 mark. And then, you know, role change, you get a couple of rookies who are up that price and you might go, well, here we go, this kid might be, they're going with him, he's there now, locked in that centre bounce, could become a good option. So I think it's one to track down the track because it's only, we're going to his third season this year, but definitely as a draft um, sort of sleeper. Uh, as a mid, nobody's going to touch touch him. I think you could definitely put him on uh, on your bench, M7, M8, depending on how um, deep your draft goes. Because he yeah, had some scores last year. They had that 115, 96, 97, 95. Uh, so, yeah, there's, it's 101 as well. So people aren't going to be thinking about Schoenberg. And you could pick him up, you know, round 18, round 20 in your draft. And definitely one that could, you know, really make a difference as your as your last midfield spot. Well, I think that's officially the most minutes anyone's ever spent speaking about Schoenberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it? Down, something you can track down the track. I mean, who needs the high highs and the low lows when yeah. you're coming up with stuff like that? And it just rhymed. Um, for me, let's go into the draft sleepers. So we're going to start with Rory Sloan. Um, again, it's you look at the quality of player he is. He's definitely a draft sleeper. Um, yeah, and he played 18 rounds this year, which is probably about 50% and then he plays most other rounds. Uh, I think he went 20, was it 22 games and 12 games, 22 games, 12 games. And I was like, he's going 22, but made 18. Um, he actually started off very well. The first, I think two out of the first three rounds, killed it, had the injury, came back, wasn't really playing inside as much. I think they took care of him a little bit. Had a couple of good games, though, 800s, three scores of 119 or above. So it wasn't really a great year for Sloan, but he is someone who could slide and is someone that you could actually monitor or pick up. I think you could do a lot worse than having Rory Sloan in your draft team. Yeah, and because of those injuries that he's had, a lot of people just kind of bypass him. Um, though a few people do have a real soft spot in him after you know the doco that came out a couple of years ago. You just couldn't not love Rory Sloan after watching that. And he's just one of those players you love to watch. Um, helped me about three seasons ago, I think, when I ranked in about top 200. I had him where a lot of people didn't and just killed it. So I do have a real soft spot for Rory. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely no for standard, but as a draft sleeper, yeah. You where would you de- want him as your MM? What do you think you would actually be? Oh, like, I'm actually happy with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, it, it, get, it depends on your layout. Like, a lot of yeah, mine, true. we play the 22, and it's sort of seven midfielders in there. So, yeah, if I if I got Rory Sloan sitting there like an M6 or something, fantastic. Even an M5, because he's you know, got yeah. the potential to score really well. Uh, but that's that injury history that, history that worries me. So I don't want him any earlier because I want my top four midfielders playing 20 games at least. No, I agree. Next one, Matty Crouch. Uh, obviously, we've touched on him already. He did average 110.6 in 2020. Also averaged 110.6, I think it was around that bats in 2017. He's pretty much pinched away at a low hundreds in between that sort of period. It's interesting because now he, you know, his brother's gone. So that midfield could actually be his and Laird's to take hold. So he could be getting, a, you know, and the problem is Led's so good at contested ball as well. So it's going to be one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me if Matt Crouch actually did come out and start doing fairly well. But that, that injury side of things, I think some people are either going to be super hyped up and jump early on a Crouch. I'm not jumping super early on a Crouch. Like if I picked him up at a low 100 average, you might kind of take a pinch, but Swizz, what do you think? Are you think people are going to start jumping out for this kind of guy? Or uh, I've seen some people 
starting him in their standard side. Uh, oh, I was yeah. in the Bonfer the other day. Don't know how he's Bonfer the Express because I'm the train man, but so I'll take that off him. Oh. But, <laughs> just shots Jeez. fired already, Bonf. Um, but I know he was huge on him. I think he's saying he's about going 120. Um, but, yeah, Crouch always has this issue of starting slow and working the season. Coming back from his injury, he will start slow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like I can't. No, actually, I will have a crack at people starting him in the standard side because, yeah, he does see a lot of the ball and he comes home like an absolute steam train. But to start off with, I wouldn't go anywhere near the guy. Um, even if he went up and had some, like, went up in value and had some really good games to start the season, just pay the extra, like, 30, 40 if you really wanted to jump on him. Um, but, yeah, I'd just be leaving him alone. And from a draft point of view, again, I think there'll be some people in leagues who will jump on this guy early because they know his scoring potential and think, oh, he'll racking up. But uh, I have him in the, he's my other burn man. Like, I don't want to touch somebody who, you know, that we know that both crouches, their injury history, and, and I don't want to borrow of either of them. Yeah, fair enough. Um, speaking of the bombs, he, he had uh, Rainer talking about how good Rainer is. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he put the lines in the bottom six. And I was like, well, if the lines are bottom six, Rainer's not going to be a good player because he won't get any fucking midfield time if they are losing. I can oh, tell you this now. I heard that. So was, if, if Rainer's like, killing it. I hope it, you were listening to that, Benny. I was pissing myself so hard. I was like, that. if Rainer's killing it, right, and he's going to be killing it, then they won't be a bottom six team because the only way Rainer's going to do well is if he gets a good amount of midfield time and kicks goals. So they're kind of tied in together. Rainer doing well in line success. They're kind of on the same train. Oh, at the same he station. Hates the lines and that, at the I same thought, time. Thought it was a fucking. That was a piece of the way he summarised you guys. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Um, my my guy. Um, I really like Tommy Dode. Um, intercept marks. Some of his games. He's super seventh, Like seventh yeah. in the comp for intercepts. Yeah, exactly. 111, 114, 111, 113, 101 and 114. And then there were some, quite a few 90s in there as well. So the guy just scores points. He sees a lot of ball, um, leads the charge down there for the Crows and that. So, And the young defenders also look out for him too if he isn't the one to intercept to, to move the ball out. So nobody's going to touch him in draft. Uh, that It's just one of those things because you look at his price and those point people averaging at that same you know, point, and they're just going to go for, unless you're an Adelaide, got Adelaide supporters in your league, others are going to bypass Dode. Like, you're looking at that same, you know, you've got your, your Darcy Moores, you've got Zach Williams, uh, G.A.V., uh, Blissavs, he did have bows until he went down. Um, so the Lacocious, so they're all the ones around that same price or that same point value um, as Dode. So people are going to be looking, going, oh, hang on, I'm up to my second or my third defender. And that, oh, I see Dode there, but oh, there's all these other flashy names that I know or I like and that. And you might, yeah, you just watch him slide. Um, but you know, obviously it's one of those ones you don't want to slide too far. But even like it's a D2, I'd be happy with him at D2. But there's possibility. Ooh, that's a stretch. But, but, well, there's he, he had, but, but there's he, a possibility that, yeah, if D3, no problems, pick him up. 10th, 12th round, I've got no issue with it. So he had six scores under 67, or 67 or less. Um, he does have the potential to be more than an 85, which is why I do think he has potential for draft. Uh, another one, uh, so touching on Ben Keyes, so basically, real brief, uh, he had the third highest metres games for the Crows. He had six tackles on average a game. I think he's been exceptional for the Crows. But again, when you look at Matt Crouch and others coming in, for me, I'm not going to call him a burn man because I think he, he's actually earned his right. However, I think he will probably be a little bit more... 
uh, overrated, so I won't be picking him up at a 102.9 average. He had 10 scores under 100 already last year. I think that will probably increase, so I think pass on the Ben Keys. And Brody Smith, I think, just draft relevance, just a shout-out for an 80 average. I, I think you know what you get, and if you had him at a D5, you'd be like, cool, or a bench player, cool. Brody Smith is someone you expect. And, and when I talk um, like about Dodie, like D, D2, because I play in larger leagues, which sometimes I've got 15, 14, 16 players. So that's why when I say D2, that's kind of what I mean. But I know a lot of standard, a lot of normal draft leagues are 10 to 12. So yeah, Dode. Anytime we talk about draft be, rankings, so we it's, probably it's should a be saying that. And that, so it's that, a 22 that's just, league. Yeah, it is. So that's just my, my bad because I play in some large team leagues and that. But um, yeah, definitely Brody Smith. If you could get him as your D5 or your bench, absolutely. Uh, Burn Man, apart from Tex Walker who I don't think should be touched in many of the formats, uh, maybe in draft if you dress desperate enough, I guess. But, um, yeah, enough said. Tex Walker. Um, Haitley, 188K mid. I think he's a burn man, Swiss. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. We saw enough last year. If he didn't get games last year with Crouch not in that side, he's not getting games this year. He would have to have a big preseason with an exceptional jump to actually start forcing his way in. I think okay. he'd have to actually ha- – he'd have to knock out Schoenberg and Keys to kind of actually have a crack. Oh, if he had a massive season, I could see him playing the midfield in the Adelaide seconds. Just... Yeah, he could do. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get on these rookies and we'll touch on them briefly. Uh, one I was big, uh, was keen on, uh, Fisher McCasey, 160K defender, but um, had a stress fracture in his lower leg, so I think he should be only returning to training around now, so that rules him out for starting him in standard, at least until you probably get that two-game sample or see how he goes extremely close to the time. But he signed a two-year contract, so I know they like him. He has enough talent. He's slightly more expensive, so you're probably trying to avoid it where possible. But considering the injury, I'd watch for him. Uh, Luke Pedler as well, 123K forward mid, debuted last season. He did have uh, what a shoulder reconstruction in August, September, depending on when they had surgery. Signed a two-year contract extension in September as well, so he is one that I'm looking. He's yeah, He already debuted, so you know he's good enough to debut. Um, he's 123k, so again, another person that you can watch with that dual swing forward mid. I think it's forward mid, yep. So um, they're the ones that I'm looking at. And, and you know I'm big on trying to look for people that have been in the system for a couple of years because they've trained, they've lifted, they're doing the running and, and everything else to handle it at that level. Generally, they get a bit more experience in the seconds with bigger bodies and the rest of it to try and get them ready. Whereas you don't see too many draft players rookie players just drafted that are fit enough, strong enough, and ready enough to actually score and score well, unless their role is extremely specific for them. So they're the ones that we're looking at. That's why you know, your, um, your Warners, etc., were successful last year because they were in the system, and that's what I love to look for. Um, yeah, no, can I'll, 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 about- add, I'll add on to that about, about Pedlo, especially because I see some early teams on uh, Joshua Shelley because of how high he went, and Definitely carved up the under-18s when he sort of played. Um, but, I'm um, yeah, I would rather peddle in that role. He's already played the couple of games, as you said. You know, one of them's, you know, sub-affected. So that's why he's still at such a cheap price. Um, so, yeah, he's got got that potential to be the one they go to early as that small forward. And, yeah, so I've got more trust in him. The other one I'm really big on is Josh Worrell, especially with Fisher out. Um, defender forward, but been playing defence can definitely uh, see him taking that role early on. Worrell um, is definitely big on the uh, alcohol reading too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've lost Kelly Silly now man. to North Melbourne, so they've got that extra defence spot 
So it's now or never if they're going to play Worrell. He's been in the system, what, three years? And some of his uh, DT well, schools. Well, he was drafted the... as, a, as a forward too. He was, he was, he was the a leading swing, kicker He was actually a swingman. Drafted he a swing? as a swingman. Okay. So, um, but they've sort of settled him back down back. But, yeah, he, and I know it's it's hard with, like, trying to get the – with the Sandful scores and that, but some of these scores are actually quite good, like 80, 79, 90, uh, 85, another 85, 85, 91. So it's been really consistent at the seconds level, and you'd think that, yeah, they're happy to back him in and give him games early. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be running the risk of losing him. Uh, the only issue is when Fisher gets himself right, I think they'll go with Fisher, Magasi first, but looks like Magasi's going to have a delayed start, so Warrell will probably be the man for at least the first four or five games, so I'm, I'm happy to back him in. So here's to hold. Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. Um, I definitely want to watch there for me. And um, when you look at their new draftees as well, I don't know if he's at Raquel. Um, how yeah, would you say? sorry. Uh, 184k forward mid. So uber talented mid forward, blessed with goal kicking and belief in his own ability. Apparently, he'll be pushing for selection in 2022. So this is all the general write-up anyway. Um, basically, disposals end up on the scoreboard directly or indirectly, and they reckon that he will be ahead of his other two draftees in Saligo. Saligo? And Taylor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, for sure. And yeah, the issue is that they're all 180 centimetres or below anyway, those three. Yeah. So generally... And Rochelle's the other two are mids. Rochelle's massive toby green vibes here and that oh. like and yeah so one to definitely watch you know, i think he's gonna be a really exciting player to watch but if when we're looking at other guys like peddler as we said it's been in the system 123 warrell's been in the system 123k am i gonna pay up for a rochelle who's coming in at uh, what is he 184 184 yeah i don't yeah. like paying 180 just i don't like it that, that's already like 19k's more than Dylan Stevens, and that we're going to have question marks when we get to the Sydney pot about him and that. So I'm not, I'm not willing to pay 184 no. for a small and forward at Adelaide. It's funny we we disregard like oh they're too expensive, but then you think a couple of years ago you know Rosie killed it at a, an expensive rookie price. Um, I think even Smith as well, Isaac Smith was it? No, um, Smith Bulldogs. Oh, uh, Bailey hand. Smith, yeah. Bailey Smith, Jeez, but, but I the, di- Isaac, but I the like, difference is that, and, and I know people But they were more that. expensive as well. Yeah, for know? sure. But the difference is Bailey Smith's coming to a team which has got Bont McRae, you know, premiership players around him. Port Adelaide, you know, you're playing next to Robbie Gray. You've got Wines and that. Who Who's he playing with up in the forward line at Adelaide? Well, you know Tex is out for the first, you know, four or six weeks and that, so he's forward line. Oh, fog- yes, because... Yeah, so it's yes. Fogarty and, and, um, and Philthorpe as his sort of key targets that he's going to be roving off. Yeah, I don't want a bar of anyone in that Adelaide forward line outside maybe Pedlar just because of his price. But, yeah, I'd rather an Adelaide, a cheap Adelaide defender than a cheap Adelaide forward. No, that makes sense. And, look, I think that wraps up for Adelaide. So I know probably, um, yeah, a little bit to talk about because they do have quite a few relevant players for the Standard League as well. And um, But, yeah, I think that wraps us up about it. I think probably a little too long on Adelaide, but um, nice way to start us off in the series you- anyway, Swizz. Do you have anything a uh, uh, you know a statement or anything a prediction about the Crows this year, mate? What, what, what's your thoughts uh, on how they're going to go? I think the Adelaide Crows will not disappoint. I don't have any outlandish statement on the Crows. I think Crows will be bottom four. I think Dawson will put out a statement saying, "Oh shit." <laughs> shit, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> what have I got into? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I do wish them well, but I you know, I think we kind of expect what we're getting with Adelaide. 
No, fuck um, me, no, I hope they win the spoon. Oh, outlandish Matt Crouch plays 22. Is that outlandish? <laughs> that would be very outlandish. Very, very, very. Um, but yeah, look, that wraps us up for Adelaide um, in this series. So we'll do, basically, we'll go through alphabetical like we usually do. And Brisbane Lions will be next. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they asked me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry.